The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Thursday, March 3rd, first week of March. So much going on, gang. It's just, uh, it's overwhelming. I know. We've had a lot of market gyrations, lots of questions from you guys, and we're going to get to some of those questions um, in just a second. I thought it might be helpful to begin this broadcast with um, just a little quick primer on SWIFT. SWIFT stands for the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. We fielded a bunch of questions from many of you about the volatility associated with markets and what's going on. But I thought at the very least, we want to kind of give you primers as we go along. So here is a quick primer on SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Communication. This is me on the CBS Mornings broadcast on Monday morning. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is here to explain the importance of SWIFT. Good morning to you, Jill. I'm so glad you're here because I had never even heard of SWIFT until this weekend. You are not alone. Good morning. Well, SWIFT is the secure messaging system that underpins the movement of money across borders. While SWIFT is not a payment system, it's how banks make transfer requests to one another. And it has become essential in the global economy, handling millions of daily requests. So when Russia exports natural gas to Europe, payment requests for that transaction are made through SWIFT. And when Western banks are owed money from Russian-based entities, they too would use SWIFT. Excluding Russian banks from SWIFT could make it difficult, if not impossible, for Russian companies to get paid for goods and services. Though it remains unclear if the SWIFT measures will impact energy products at this time. But these measures, they essentially isolate the world's 12th largest economy. Ordinary Russian citizens will not be able to buy products like iPhones from the U.S., cheese from France, luxury goods from Italy. And for those who invest, the Russian stock market has lost a third of its value over the past week. Critically, Russia's expulsion from SWIFT will also mean that Russians are cut off financially from their families who live abroad. So this is a big move among the international community. Okay, now you know what SWIFT is. If you've got questions about your portfolio or you're nervous or you want to know about how sanctions will impact 
the world economy. Nothing's going to be good for a little bit here. Uh, send us a note. Just go to jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. In fact, Jackie writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I'm a regular listener and a true fan. I'm so heartbroken about what's happening with Russia. I have holdings at Vanguard in mutual funds. How do I analyze my holdings to determine if anything is helping Russia so I can sell it? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think you have to worry too much. Most of the big banks that were financing Russian deals, let's say in the earlier 2000s, they just haven't been doing as much of that since Putin annexed Crimea. So it's been a while before a lot of the US and European banks got super duper entrenched in their relationships. I don't know, Mark, is there anything that you think she should consider about her portfolio? Yeah. I mean, I think Mark is saying that you have to, if you really want to get granular about it, and I wouldn't get too exercised. It's not, this is not like it's 1980 and every single fund had investments in South African companies. It's not like that. But you could go into some of your funds and look at where the country by country exposure is. And what might be interesting is, let's say you have an emerging markets fund. That may be where you would see Russian exposure. Scott wants to know about pension options. He says, hi, Jill. I love the show. I listen to it every morning as I walk our three rescue dogs through our neighborhood. Our pooches would love to join the furry fan club. Did Scott send us pictures, Mark? Let's go, Scott. Bring it on. Scott's 59. He says he's going to retire next year. His wife is also 59. She retired last year and she's got a small fixed pension of about $450 per month, which is enough to pay for her health insurance through her company. That's good. No kids, just fur babies. They're in good health. Longevity runs in their families. Now, Scott says, this is awesome. I'm very lucky to work for a company that offers a traditional pension plan with many options. I'd like your thoughts on two specific options that we've boiled our choices down to. Both include 100% survivorship benefits should I predecease my wife and a cash refund option should we both pass early, our estate would recoup the difference between the sum total of the monthly pension payments paid out and the lump sum amount I could have received had I elected that option. Wow, that's a great feature, huh? Okay, here we go. Here are the choices. Ready, Mark? A fixed monthly pension never changes, $6,800 a month. A fixed pension with a COLA, a cost of living adjustment, just about $5,000 a month. Lump sum, $1.4 million. Some additional info. My wife and I have saved a total of $1.8 million in retirement funds. 90% in traditional tax-deferred accounts, 10% in Roths. They have a 60% stock allocation, 40% bond. They got $150,000 in cash. 100000 in investment accounts, $25,000 in an HSA. The house will be, will be paid off upon retirement. It's about a half a million dollars. They will receive Social Security. Wife at 62, 1500 a month. He will receive it at 67, $3,000 a month. Monthly expenses average $8,000 after the home is paid off. Okay, here's the nut of the question. Scott says, with inflation seemingly a bigger factor going forward, is it worth taking the lower pension payments now to help protect against declining purchasing power down the road? Or do we have enough protection from inflation through our exposure to the market 
and Social Security cost of living adjustments that the higher pension payment now, albeit locked in for the rest of our lives, would be the better move. What are your thoughts on the matter? Keep up the great work. Mark, what are your thoughts on the matter? You want a COLA or you want no COLA? He's going to be retired at a, an early age and they've got, let's just think about this for a second. So they, I, I want to be clear, they will have no income for two years except this pension and then they'll get the wife's social security and then they'll get his social security. Right. So if they have the lower pension option, here's what happens. They have the the knowledge that they're protected. So that's number one, which is, I understand that's emotionally something that's very good to have. They will have to come up with the difference between the lower monthly payment, $5,000, right? And the $8,000 that he needs. They could take that $3,000 a month. They could take $36,000 from the money that's in cash and free up some of the investment accounts. They could do that. I'll tell you what else they should do. If I'm them, I think I might take the lower amount. Uh, Here's what I think I would do. I might take the fixed monthly pension and then I would start at age 59 and a half since they're going to end next year when they're done. I'd start pulling some money out of these retirement accounts and paying the tax that's due to come up with that $3,000 a month. What do you think, Mark? Because I'm thinking that they might be in a lower tax bracket. He didn't say how much he makes now, but I got to imagine that you know they're probably in the 22, 24% tax bracket right now. And then when they retire before social security kicks in, maybe they should start pulling some of the money out of their retirement accounts to pay the difference. I think I'm going for the COLA, even though I bet... You see, if you had to make a long-term bet on inflation, like a 20-year bet on inflation, it's never, it's not going to be seven and a half or eight or, you know, it's not going to be that. But it could be that we settle in an inflation at like three versus 2% for a while, in which case, I mean, I feel very strongly that you're in such a secure position that we might as well take the most conservative approach, which is to use the lower amount with the cost of living adjustment. And we're really talking about what's the 10-year plan here, eight years, right? And we want to get you between today and when you're claiming social security. And we're suggesting to you that while your income is low, and it's not like low, low, because obviously you're going to have this five grand a month from the pension, right? You're going to have 60 grand of income. And then immediately you're going to have like 1,500, another 15 or is $16,000 when your wife is claiming social security, but you're still in the 22% tax bracket. So we're going to suggest that you take the money that is in the pre-tax retirement accounts, use that to fund the gap between your income need and your actual income. Should they continue to pull money from those accounts to stay in, say, the 22 or 4% even after he receives social security at age 67 before he has to do required minimum distributions? That's what I'm thinking also, because maybe it's worth it for you to just use your retirement accounts and delay social security. You said you have longevity. Maybe you delay your social security until you're 70 years old. If you want to follow up, let us know. But I think that could work. I really, really think that could work. Um, All right. Oh boy, here we go. Jean says that I have had a reverse mortgage since 2015. And at that time, my home was valued at $175,000. It's now worth $400,000. Should I review it again? 
I've never understood the workings of a reverse mortgage. As far as I know, we've never taken any money out of it. My husband is in a nursing home. He suffers from Alzheimer's. Oh, gosh. No relatives. I have a power of attorney over my husband, a healthcare proxy. I've got $100,000 in stocks and bonds. I'm 81. What do you think, Mark? I think she needs some help, too. I think you need some some assistance from probably an attorney who can help you out, um, maybe an elder care attorney, um, and maybe a financial advisor just to walk you through what this reverse mortgage means. Essentially, the rise in the value of the house could mean a couple of things. Number one, it could mean like, hey, if you sold the house right now, you'd have to pay back what is essentially the money that was advanced to you, but you'd have a lump sum of money. And if it doesn't really matter, you I don't know if you could actually recharacterize the the reverse mortgage or not, but I don't know. You ha- you say you have a reverse mortgage and you never pulled it. Are you sure? Are you not getting any income from that? Or did you not take some money out just to have it? We need someone to review this for you. Okay. Uh, Rick wants to know, what are some scenarios where considering an annuity may be a good decision? Okay. I'm going to tell you the easiest one. The easiest one is when you have a interest rate from an annuity product that locks you in for a fixed period of time with a very comfortable interest rate that you feel like you can say, that's great. That's a fixed income part of my portfolio. The other thing is you can choose an annuity when you want a stream of income from a lump sum and it doesn't really matter to you so much about the interest rate. You want to have a flow of income because you are a spendthrift. You're scared that you are going to just spend the money once it gets into your hands. An annuity can be really helpful. Like if you have a kid who you don't trust with money and you could say, well, you know what I'll do? I'll put the money in an annuity and then, you know, and then when I die, I want the annuity to annuitize, to click on and just create income. And it can be useful, but I like the more fixed options as opposed to the variable ones. I think the variable ones are the ones that usually cost way more and are kind of a ripoff. Not all, but many. So immediate annuities are very helpful. And sometimes an index annuity can be helpful to just manage your cash flow. Okay. But they come with costs. And that's what we would have to talk about if for some reason you were looking at them. So give us more details. Okay. Paula writes, my husband and I are both retired. He is 69 and I am 67. We live on social security. My husband is collecting half of mine while he delays claiming his benefit until age 70. Excellent. They also have income from an, here we go, an old annuity. And what's so great is that the annuity and the social security basically take care of their monthly needs. No debt. Here's what they got, Mark. Assets include primary residence, $650,000, no mortgage. Condo down in Florida, worth four fifty, dollars no mortgage. Total investments. Uh-oh, Mark, get ready. Cue the hate mail. Total investments, $2.5 million. There's a brokerage account with seven hundred forty grand. IRAs, eight hundred thirty grand. Miscellaneous stocks, eighteen. dollars Then more Vanguard. So they got basically... Uh, let's call it a million and a half bucks in pre-tax IRAs, Roths with just 77,000 and just some miscellaneous brokerage stuff here at about 800,000 and some I-bonds. We have three adult children, all financially independent, four grandchildren. Question, should we be doing Roth conversions over the next few years to lower our required minimum distributions? Mark, 
Your Roth IRA decision is now in front of you. What do you want to do? Right. They would have to blow through a lot of their taxable accounts with the money. He is waiting till age 70. That's only a year, right? So I guess they could do some. So then the next question is between 70 and 72, what's your tax bracket, right? Are you going to be in a tax bracket that's, I'm going to guess, 22, 24? What do you think, Mark? I'm thinking 22. The married filing jointly for 22% goes up to 178. She says that they live on social security and then the annuity can't be much more than that. And they don't have a lot of taxable income. So I'll tell you what, I would convert enough to stay in the 22% tax bracket. And that way they won't blow through all of their safe money, right? And I would sell the stocks to do it miscellaneous stocks of 36, about $70,000. So I would sell those and pay some capital gains and convert what you can. Yeah. You got to do it now. You got a couple of years and you don't have to do it all at once. I mean, they've got this massive brokerage account with $740,000 in it. So they could pay for it. It's just that I don't think you should do it all at once. I think you should do, uh, I think what you can until age 72. And then from there, we'll have to see. But I think that could be about it. Unless, Mark, is it is there a case to be made that they should just do as much as they can up to the 24% tax bracket? There may be. In other words, they could convert at 24%, which would allow them to convert enough. The top end of the 24% tax bracket is 340000 Should we do more? I think so too. I think you should do up to the 24% tax bracket, convert what you can before 72, which is when your required minimum distributions will hit. And, you know, he is going to hit that right at 72, but then you'll have an extra two years beyond that. And let's see what we can do and get some of this money converted. And then I wouldn't go crazy though. Don't feel like you have to do it all, but if you can do some, it will be helpful. All right. Uh, If you've got a financial question and if you've got worries about where the world is heading, I'm sorry, I'm with you. Try to go easy on the doom scrolling. That's what I've learned. And don't do it before you go to sleep. Go to the website, jillonmoney.com. Click on the contact us button and we'll get your note. And please do say whether or not you'd be willing to come on the air. Mark will do the rest. If you would like to uh, do something really nice for us, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. That would be great. And otherwise, do something nice for someone else. Try to put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 